Welcome to the Solution Focus Schools Unlimited podcast series. My name is Dr. Linda Metcalf, and I'm the author of Counseling Towards Solutions. The first book published in 1995 that took the solution-focused approach into schools from kindergarten through 12th grade all around the world. Now it is in its third printing and available at routledge.com. This is the time of year when many of us are planning for next year. It's almost April. And along with April come plans for high school students that move into the next grade or even graduate. There's plans for middle school kids to look into their future high school years and decide what courses they need to take to achieve their goals. And elementary school students, time to look back and see what programs have worked What classes have worked? What have been successes in all kinds of ways? So this podcast is going to take you through each one of the various grade levels and somehow hopefully show you how the solution-focused approach can help you in planning. Planning so that next year begins to go a little better for you. So let's start off first with looking backwards. Yep, we're going to do that. How crazy is that? Let's look at the data that you might have collected this year as you worked. Perhaps you did guidance lessons, perhaps you did speakers, perhaps you had programs that you initiated to help your students be at their very, very best. Always look at your data and see from them, not what didn't work, but what did work. That gives you an idea as to what is applicable to your students, what's being well received, and what's working. I'd also encourage you, in addition to data, to send out your own survey, maybe to teachers, asking them to think about the guidance program you did this year and what were some of the things you did that they appreciated. They, after all, were in the room when you left. They might have seen some reactions to what students said about what you did and what you presented to them. Ask them which which particular presentations, which particular activities that you did seem to make a difference with students? Which ones seem to resonate with them? And as teachers, what did they see too as maybe ideas for next year? There's nothing like grabbing on to what your stakeholders say works. It keeps you focused. After all, they're out there in the middle of everything. They see what kids are doing, what they're saying, what they're needing. And by listening to them, you will have more data and information to help you plan. That's so much more helpful than just thinking, okay, this year I want to do this. I think next year I'll try and do that without checking out whether or not it's going to be something that would work. But when you do that, when you check out what might work, you're more likely to have success. Let's look at programs. You know, one of the things I love the most about the solution-focused approach is that whenever I was asked as a school counselor to do a new program to stop bullying or do a new program to encourage other students who were having certain struggles, do something, they would say, to enrich their lives and to help them out. 
And what I've learned over the years is that there are many wonderful programs, but there's something that's usually missing from those programs, and that is input from students. So I would encourage you as you think about what you did this year, what worked, and then as you plan for things for next year, to gather get together a group of students, maybe from each grade if you're in a middle school, later grades in the elementary school, high school, gather together focus groups of various students in various grades and activities, and let them know you're trying to plan for next year. And if they had their way, what would a program be? Let's say we're looking at possibly dangerous habits, uh, trying to prevent alcohol, drug abuse, cutting, social media, dangerous things that can certainly get kids off track and get things in their way that could keep them from living healthy lives and being successful academically. Ask the students, what information do you need? I've always found them to be so candid with me, and at first they're rather surprised, of course, that I'm asking them. But once I do, and once I follow their lead, what I've also found is that they encourage other students to listen whenever I would go in classrooms and talk about the programming that they suggested. It seems like kids were more attentive because they knew that I had consulted with them, you might say. So I would really encourage you to do that, to check in with them and talk about some issues, even ask them, do you think there's an issue with drinking? Do you think there's an issue with sexting? Do you think there's an issue with social media in your school or bullying? And if so, if you and I were to create something over the next year that might help other students not even get involved in these situations, what might that look like? What do you think you and your peers need? Then you are getting from the very source you're trying to project ideas on exactly what they would receive. So I really, really encourage you to do that. Additionally, don't forget your teachers as you plan those programs. Ask them. They are the people that are out in the middle of everything. Send them a survey too, another survey with the ideas of, if I were to plan something next year that would be helpful to the students in your classrooms, given what you've noticed with them this year, what might that be? Should there be more groups that I do? Should there be other times when I come into the classroom and talk about certain subjects? If so, what are those subjects? How often would you want me to come into class? I know various levels of school counseling you go into classes different amounts of time, such as elementary school, there's much more time in the classroom, middle school, about 50-50, and then high school, a little bit less. But I really do think, again, you'll have much more buy-in from your teachers when you ask them, what do you think your students need? After all, when you ask those that it involves, again, most of the time you get buy-in and cooperation, and that can be everything. Okay, now let's get down to some basic tasks of planning for the coming year. Let's talk about scheduling. I remember when I was a high school counselor, I had 300 students, and it was always a chore, they said, to talk to every student. I decided one day I was going to do group scheduling. 
And so I had them all come in my office and together we all talked about their hopes and their dreams and what they wanted to accomplish someday, what, what were their interests, what were some things that they dreamed about that they really wanted to do in their lives, even though it was short term. And after that, I asked them to think about, okay, when you think about these ideas that you want at the end of high school, um, t- tell me, what. let's think about the courses that might be helpful to help you get there. And then I would give them the list of courses, and we would go over those. And that because we had kind of brainstormed at first, they were able to do things like choose math class or art class if they wanted to be a video, video game animator, or if they were interested in cosmetology, the chances are they were going to be taking that tract that we had at school. Or if they wanted to go on and, and study something like engineering, they were going to probably take calculus, or they were going to take another course that would be very instrumental in their doing well in school, studying engineering. The point of it was that just by asking them a question, and I'll use the miracle question, for example, it really helped them to, number one, get excited about the future, and also to imagine what they would be doing and studying to get into that future. So this is a question I would also ask, particularly sophomores and juniors in the early and junior year. I might say, suppose a miracle happened and you wake up a year or two years from now and you are at the college of your dreams or technical school of your dreams or military of your dreams. What would be going on? Where would you be? If, if you're going to college, would you be at a large university or a small university? Would you start off at a junior college or would you go off out of town to a four-year college and stay in a dormitory? Are you looking for a college that or university that has study abroad, meaning you would go into other countries and study for certain amounts of time? Are you looking for colleges or universities where you could get a part-time job? Are you interested in sororities or fraternities? And do you know, do you know what those are? Because I'm happy to tell you about them. All of those kinds of questions began to percolate in their heads and began to give them ideas about it's more than just choosing a university, it's choosing where I want to be and where I feel comfortable. Many students decided they wanted to stay close to home. Some students were ready to take off and go far from home. But just asking that question, they at least had an idea of how they want to see themselves. And that's an example of using the preferred future when you're planning for college. Having that preferred future and an idea in real specific terms about where they'd go, what they might want to study, how many students would they want in that school, a large school, small school, gave them an idea as to how to think about where they were wanting to go. So we scheduled that way. For middle school students, we'd also go in, of course, into classes and talk about school and the courses they'd be taking the next year. But again, I always like to ask that question, tell me what you're interested in. When you think about the next couple of years, which is pretty far actually in the, in the minds of a middle school student, tell me what you hope you're doing. What will you be studying? What would you be learning about that would tell you, I'm doing what I need to do for myself? What kind of courses? And again, then I'd pass out the courses and show the electives and we'd go from there. These are just ideas as to how to enlist the help of your students so you're not just going in and 
giving education on the courses, which of course you'll, you will do, but by giving them the chance to feel as if they are choosing the direction, they're more likely to get going and be motivated to go in that direction. Finally, let's talk a little bit about the various programs that I know many of your students are involved in. Students were involved in programs such as 504. Maybe time of the year for you to examine with the student, with you in a room, and the teachers who were involved, what worked for Sue, what worked for Jose. This seemed to help them be more successful. You know, it's likely that some students may even be transferring. Think how helpful it would be if they could take that information with them to a new school so the new school wouldn't have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what they could possibly do to help the student. They could take it with them. A while back, I did a program in another state where when we did team meetings at the end of every school year, we would do that. We would formulate what exactly worked for students in various classes, and we would put it together in, in the form of a report. And when the students were enrolled in the next year, the next classes, the new teachers got that report as well. It seemed to make things go so much better because again, these were a report that was compiled by not only those who were participating in the program as teachers, but also the students. Everyone, students are your biggest resource. We may come up with ideas, great ideas to help them in the classroom, but they're the ones who can tell us how well we did. All we need to do is watch and ask them. Always ask them. What else could we have done differently if things didn't go so well? Or what did we do that worked out well for you? What else did we do? If you could help us plan next year, what would we add in to this year for next year? They are very, very important. The same thing goes for RTI meetings. If you plan your th to do some sort of recap at the end of this year, have students in there with you. How did this work? Don't be surprised if students are a little bit shy about answering. In fact, you might even try talking to students just one-on-one -on -one before you have that last meeting. But do encourage, I do encourage you to take the student with you into that last meeting to where they can hear teachers talk about the things that they notice the student doing well. So you want to prime your teachers too that that's going to be the focus. That along with adding from the student what teachers did helps teachers finish up the year well, knowing that they did something that helped a student. Your students are gold mines. They really are for so many ideas that can help you make things so much better. Always ask them. And lastly, let's take a personal look at this year. For a minute, just imagine you see a giant scale in front of you. One to 10. 10, things went beautifully, awesome. You're completely satisfied with how things went in regard to the comprehensive guidance program that you did, or the, the, the way that you taught in the classroom, or the way that you work with kids in your administration's office. That's a 10 and a one, the opposite. Where are you? Go 
got two months of school left. Where are you? You've gone through seven months of school. Where are you on that scale? And be kind to yourself. Wherever you are on that scale, if you are above zero, you have been successful. Of course, a 10 is the most successful, but we're going to take any number on that scale in between zero and 10 and call you successful. The idea then is to think, what would next year be like? What would I begin to do next year to move up just one notch? Maybe you're at a six. What would a seven look like? And here's some questions as you think about this as the school year begins to come to a close. What would your students say you did? Don't just rely on yourself. Sometimes we're hard on ourselves. What would your students say you did? And you know what? You can ask them. The next time you go into a guidance lesson that you're doing, whether it's elementary or middle school or even high school, and you finish up and you say, students, I've really enjoyed talking to you this year. How did I do? How are the things that I, that I talked to you about? Skill, one to 10. 10, awesome. One, need some work. Or opposite, where would you put me? I really want to know because you matter to me. Ask them. You might be surprised by the answers you get. And it will also give you ideas for planning for next year. Just move up one little notch, one step. Many people would say that if you were a school counselor, principal, teacher, you're part of the whole system in that school that makes everything go around, everything work. When one person, just one person, does something a little bit different in a school, according to the solution-focused approach, it can make all the difference for a lot of people. And asking people, asking students how you did, what they could use that you could do maybe a, a little bit more of in the, in the next year, you're enriching your counseling program. You're enriching your ability as a principal. You're enriching your ability to engage with kids in your classroom. Ask them, everyone. They have the answers that we want. May the Solution Force be with you. Thank you for listening to the Solution Focus Schools Unlimited podcast. If you like what you hear, please go to my website, the Solution Focus School, where you will find a multitude of resources that are free. You'll also learn about events that I do and trainings that I do that can take you to the next level of being a solution focused genius. I hope your end of the school year goes well, and I will talk to you soon.